welcome back to the Running Wine Mom podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Selinski, aka the Running Wine Mom. On this episode of our podcast, we are joined by a very special guest, Summer Hull, also known as Mommy Points. Summer is a renowned expert in the world of points and miles and has been sharing her knowledge and experience through her blog and social media channels for many years. She's a mom, a writer, and a traveler who has made it her mission to help others achieve their travel dreams through the strategic use of points and miles. In this episode, we'll dive into Summer's story, learn more about her background and how she got started in this field, as well as get some invaluable tips and insights into how to maximize your travel experience using points and miles. So sit back, relax, and join us for an exciting and informative conversation with Summer, a true travel guru. Welcome, Summer. How are you today? So good. Thank you for having me. I have never been on a podcast with wine in the title, but I feel like I was born for this. I love <laughs> uh, it. So thanks for having me. Yes. So let's start off. Uh, each episode, we have our wine, wine, and win of the week segment. This is where we share our favorite bottle of wine or drink, then about something that has been bothering us and celebrate our recent victories. So let's grab a glass, take a deep breath and get started. Do you have a wine of the week? Okay, so this is going to be very embarrassing. I live in East Texas. I am easy to please, and I even drink wine that comes out of boxes. So uh, the wine that I drink the most, I can't say it's my favorite, but the one I drink the most and buy the most is, well, rosé. But if we're going to get specific, I'll just get that Josh bottle. It's like 12 bucks. My husband's name, Josh. It works out. I'm sure it's not going to win awards, but it is a winner in my pantry. I love it. And um, we also find ourselves with, speaking of like boxes, we do the Boda boxes a lot because we find sometimes we, we don't want to open a whole bottle of wine or we go through too ex much expensive wine. <laughs> so that's just great for a glass of wine. There's nothing uh, wrong with that at all. Um, all right. So what is your wine of the week? So uh, listening, you may not know this, but uh, we both know this. My kids won't stop being sick. Uh, it's the very end of the school year. I don't know what's going around, but something's going around constantly. So the school is calling me constantly to come get these sick children, uh, which is why we're recording this a little bit later than expected, because I once again have a sick kid at home. So that is going to be my wine with an H in the word. Yeah. And I feel as though we, we think after the uh, winter, we're kind of in the clear, but sadly you're not. I hope everyone gets better soon. <laughs> How about for your win of the week? So win of the week would be we just finished kind of outlining and booking the major components of a big trip to Japan for next year. Ooh, that's um, so I feel like I'm checking all the boxes of the name of your podcast now at this point. But um, but yeah, so that's super, super exciting. I have been to Japan, but the kids haven't. So being able to outline taking them there largely on miles is the big win of the week. Yes. And I, we have a two and a half year old and a 10 month old and we have done road trips with them. Um, we are on the East Coast and we've seen the whole East Coast. Both of our kids have um, through driving. I'm so excited to talk to you about flying because my husband is just not on board for it yet um, with the kids. And he's like, I will drive. 24 hours somewhere, but I just don't want to get on a plane with them. I'm like, they would be fine. <laughs> but I hope that he's going to listen to this so he can be convinced that we need to take a flight somewhere. Let's do um, it. I'm on your team. We'll convince him. Before we get into the uh, main parts of the podcast, I always like to ask my guests, what are three things that you are most proud of in your life? Oh, gosh. 
Um, obviously the family. I think it's easy in the travel world to not focus on like literally building a house and your kids' activities and like cooking at home. It's really easy to be on the go all the time. And and I've made a conscious effort not to be on the go all the time and to focus on them and their activities and their friends and and sort of building a life here, even though here's not the most exciting place on earth. Uh, that's what we've done. And so I'm just gonna say that all together, those things equal three or at least close to it. If I had to add one more, it would be helping people expand their travel and do things they didn't even know were possible. And maybe that means when you go visit your in-laws, you can get your own hotel room. You don't have to sleep on their couch. Or maybe it means that you are going to Japan or Fiji or Disney World or wherever you want to go. And so um, obviously family is number one, but if but if I'm rounding up to three, <laughs> then it would be being able to spend the last decade of my life helping people expand their travel dreams and make them real. And I'm so excited to talk to you about, you know, just in general about traveling with family. I think it's so interesting because like my, my husband and I were huge travelers before we had kids. And so many people, you know, once we started having kids were like, it's over, you're done, you're not traveling anymore. And I'm like, I am bound and determined to break that mold. And then once you start actually a doing it, it's you find that it's a lot of the lead up, I feel is more um, of the the pressure than actually doing it. But then also watching people um, like yourself just doing it and knowing that there's so many people out there doing it and it doesn't have to stop is so important. No, it doesn't stop, but it does change. And embracing that change, I think, is the uh, the trick yes. um, that makes it work or not work for each family. Yes, exactly. I agree. No more uh, sipping uh, margaritas on the beach by ourselves. <laughs> so, you know, not for a while, but it does come while, back. Yes, but it's still just as fun. Um, so kind of how I set the podcast up, I do a little bit of fitness talk, a little bit of parenthood talk, and then we'll get into your perspective of being mommy points. Um, so let's get right into the fitness real quick. I, what is your favorite way to stay active? Oh, this is a great question. So the honest truth is throughout much of the pandemic, you know, I quit the gym back when everybody was quitting gyms, got a Peloton, used it for a while. And then as life got busier again, never rejoined the gym and stopped using the Peloton. And so uh, that story ended exactly as you would expect and nothing in my closet really fit anymore. Um, and so I would say about six months ago, I got serious about like having some revenge on all my closet that I couldn't use. And so have started to go to the high school track. This is my favorite thing um, because there is always something going on fun to keep your mind entertained at the high school track and it's free. And it's people out there that aren't see and be seen kind of people. It is people that want to get better at whatever it is they're practicing out there. And so I've become like almost addicted in a good way to making it out there more days a week than not. And not running marathons, never going to do that, but at least doing a couple of miles, doing some core work and um, getting outside. So that is my current favorite thing, supplemented with occasional indulgent Peloton rides to fun soundtracks. And you, um, you just posted something about that on your story. Was it that you mm -hmm. were at the track? And I saw that and it kind of just brought me back to, um, you know, we forget that that is such a big, important, free thing that you can utilize. And my I love parents, it. Yeah. Know, my parents actually last summer um, went to Peru to do the Inca Trail in Machu Picchu and they're in their 60s. And what they did was they would put on 20 pound book bags and go up to the local track and go up and down the bleachers and that's mm -hmm. one of the ways that they trained for it um, i love it 
if you have the Peloton app, you can use their outdoor stuff too. Um, they have like outdoor runs and walks as something. Um, yeah, I think we're going to get serious about doing the couch to 5k program soon. Mm -hmm. Um, my oldest and I are registered to do our first 5k at Disney, of course, of all places oh. later this fall. And my kid will be fine. They can run the 5k tomorrow, but I will, um, I'm not quite there yet, but we're working on it and having a lot of fun along the way, just getting out there every day. And that's a great, that's a great way to start. I've done it before and you start out so slow and you're like, I can do more, but it, um, it does gradually build up and that's, you know, a good. Yeah. Um, so you said that you, your motivation was you wanted to get revenge on your closet for, uh, is there any other motivation that you have for fitness? I, I mean, I'm 42 years old. Like I, it's easier to never stop than to stop and have to start again. Uh, but you know, all I could do was start back up as soon as possible. So, but I, there was a dress whether so we do a big TPG award show, um, where I work at the points guy at the end of the year and I'd order this dress that really should have fit and it did not. And so I got another dress, like didn't do anything crazy, but I was like, this dress will fit. It's not obnoxiously small. It should fit. And so, uh, just recently last week, I wore it to a different award show and it was kind of like, okay, that's step one. And, um, so yeah, like, it's just, I, I have no, thank God, no big outstanding health problems. There's no reason for, for things to keep going in an unhealthy direction. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of how it started it. and I'm having a lot of fun with it now. What about while you travel? Is there any fitness that you do while you travel? I know there's some people that are up early doing their workout. Yeah, definitely not. No. <laughs> um, I like to do it through the activities of the day, which also is a great way too. Yes. Yeah, so I'm more in that camp. Um, I mean, mad props to everybody who gets up early and uses the hotel gym. We recently had a retreat at TPG and everybody met and we were all staying at the same hotel. And like the number of people that were getting up to go to the gym at six in the morning, I was like, hats off to you, brother. Um, I'm not that person, but I will say most of my trips are very active. So at home, if I don't make an effort, I will end up with 2000 steps total in a day because I live in suburbia, we don't walk anywhere. Um, but on a trip, it's often 20,000 steps a day without trying. Uh, so, so I think it sort of takes care of itself. And honestly, I think that's one of the reasons the pandemic was a little bit hard on my health is because I used to, in a normal world, travel so many days a month and would just naturally be more on the go. And then when the pandemic hit, that changed, obviously. And um, so, yeah, I was ending up with more 2000 step days. <laughs> I can totally relate to that as well. It is, I do feel as though sometimes when you're away, you're moving more with just mind, mindlessly moving more, which is mm -hmm. still just as important and great. Um, what do you wish you learned earlier in life about your fitness and health? You know, I, th I don't know that it was a learning um, issue for me. I think it's more there are seasons of life that are just hard. And, and the pandemic aside, like my kids now, neither one of them's old enough to drive, but they both have incredibly packed days. And, and I'm glad and it should be that way. But that means that my day is incredibly packed before I get to anything that's on my personal list. And I think that there were years that that just was what it was and being okay with it was probably the best thing I could have done. But now that they are starting to get older and it's okay if I drag them to the track and they complain and sit there, like that's fine, they're gonna live. Um, it's taking that back, ownership in my own life back and saying, yes, your life as my children is very important and your life as my husband is very important. But it's also very important and okay for me to carve out 45 minutes most days, doesn't work every day, 
for something that's important to me and like we're just going to make it happen. And so I think it's just knowing when to reclaim some of your own life and also giving yourself grace in the years that aren't like that, because that's also just real sometimes. Yeah. And that's that was tough because I'm in the early phases of kids and um, try. I do try my best to prioritize fitness um, every day if I can do something, but it has been such an adjustment. Yeah. What I did before kids versus after now it's like, I can't do what I technically want to do every day. Mm -hmm. I got to adjust it to the way it can fit into the schedule with the kids. But yeah, it's an adjustment and it's, and it's just embracing whatever the best is for you in that phase Mm -hmm. and that phase will change and then adjusting accordingly. Um, and lastly, what do you, uh, do you have any specific relationship with mental health and fitness? I think that it definitely matters. Um, you know, there are some mental health challenges in my family and we've found one of the things to to best combat that is to have things you're excited about that get you moving. Um, bonus points if they involve other people, uh, teams that you're on or people that you meet up and do things with. And so, yes, I think it absolutely is essential um, even when you don't want to do it. You know, there's that whole trend on TikTok. People are like, I'm doing my stupid walk for my stupid mental health. And like, yes, uh, get outside, get moving, bonus points if people are involved. So couldn't be a bigger fan. I do think there is a serious relationship there. Uh, So yeah. I agree. I 100% agree. Um, So that'll be a good transition of you talking about how your kids are involved in so much into just parenthood in general. Um, What do you think the thing that you were least prepared for in parenthood was? The exhaustion. (laughs) Um, I had kids that didn't sleep. So rewind. All right. So I'm like 25, six, seven. I don't know how old I was when my first kid was born, but I was like in my late twenties, I guess. And I had had a normal, happy, take care of myself kind of life. Um, pregnancy thankfully went fine. Um, kid was born, everything went well. And then we're going back for a checkup like three days after she was born uh, and it's around Christmas. So we had to do the checkup at the hospital because the pediatrician's office was closed. So we literally were dressed head to toe in Kansas City Chiefs gear because we had always watched football on Sundays. My husband's from Kansas. And so we were dressed in our Kansas City Chiefs gear. We thought this was going to be an in and out appointment. And then we would go back to our normal life watching football on Sundays. We get there and the kid starts vomiting blood in the hospital. And at first we think it's it's spit up, but then it progresses. And we go from like a normal newborn checkup to being sent down to the ER, to being told a helicopter is on the way to take her to the children's hospital. And all of that, when we really literally thought we were going to pop in and go back and watch football. And, and if that wasn't a metaphor for what entering parenthood was for me, then I don't know what is. Um, it was strap in, hold on, your life is not yours all the time anymore. And what you thought was gonna happen and just you're gonna integrate this human into your existing life was not our reality. Um, And my kid was fine after three days in the NICU screaming. The doctor was like, well, we know her personality now. I'm like, what do you mean? She was sick. And they're like, there wasn't really anything wrong. Like there was something wrong, but there was no like actual big thing wrong which is great news, but she spent three days crying and scaring the pants off of us. And um, 13 years later, she's a theater kid. So go figure. Oh my gosh, that is, 
funny to think about on the other end. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's um, but it was trial by fire, and and she was in pain, and I think she was in pain for a lot of her first year of life with tummy stuff, and didn't sleep and cried a lot, and so we didn't sleep and cried a lot, <laughs> and, and um. And so I think that that was it. I think everybody knows a newborn was going to be hard. I don't think I realized the level of exhaustion that can be persistent for so long. And and when we had our second kid, which wasn't for five years because I wasn't ready, it happened not the same way again, but the outcome was essentially the same again. And they're like, no, everyone said your second one, it won't be as hard. That's horse manure. It was just as hard, just as little sleep. Um, and so... Yeah, like it took years, I think, to catch up from that. And it took a toll on everything it could possibly take a toll on. Yeah. Worth it, but it was hard. That was, I, I mean, when I had my daughter, I was blindsided by the exhaustion part. And mm -hmm. I literally remember thinking, all of my friends got this little amount of sleep. Like, what? How it's a lie. Some of them sleep. It really oh, is. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Some of them do <laughs> So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, my God, that sounds awful. I'm never doing that. It, that isn't everyone's experience for that long, but it can happen. And it happened yeah. to us twice. And um, we did hire a sleep consultant. We had my parents coming over to take three hours of a night shift so we could rest. Like we literally did everything you could do. Uh, but that was the hardest part. So two kids is the the firm limit here in this household. Same. We are, <laughs> we are done it too. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite thing to do with your kids? Oh, well, uh, I have a few. So the travel related one is we absolutely love Disney. And I didn't grow up loving, I went to Disney once as a kid. Like I didn't grow up as a Disney adult or someone obsessed with this place, but it became that way with my kids. And it's because we have so much fun, not only in the parks and they're so inclusive and welcoming, but we have so much fun planning when we're still at home. Like we will watch all of these YouTube videos about it, where to eat, what we're gonna ride, what uh, the whole thing. We'll plan it all out and we'll have just as much fun before the trip ever starts as we do there. And so that's one of them. Um, another one is just watching stupid shows on YouTube. And this started during the pandemic for us. So whether it is like one of those failed at bake shows or uh, or a Disney related thing, or some of these like challenge videos that all these families do where they're doing gymnastics challenges and stuff. Um, we have a lot of fun watching shows in the evening. Uh, we just took our kids to Disney in November. So my youngest was four months old and then my daughter was yeah. old, almost two years old. And everyone again was like, why? Like they're not gonna remember anything. And I, it's, I totally relate to the planning of it was so much fun. And I mean, I can't tell you how many YouTube videos I watched about yeah. plus <laughs> and like, you know, all that stuff. And um, I felt as though it went very smoothly when we got there because um, I, we had planned so much, but I could not believe how inclusive it was for little kids. My four-month-old went on almost every ride with us, you, you know, with obviously mm -hmm. not like Guardians of the Galaxy or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. That was just something really And the cool. baby care centers. Like Yes, the baby care center was wonderful. And I don't think a lot of people know about that, honestly. Um, I know. They are kind of off the beaten path. So yeah. there. Now, anybody listening knows. But the baby care centers are a great place to nurse, to rock your baby, to change diapers, to just like be in some AC with your little kids for a minute. It, I mean, we haven't been in a long time now because my kids are big. But back when they were small, we could uh, have memorized in each park where they were. And they were a great 
place to reset, clean up, and then go again. Yeah, they were definitely a, a save, like a saver for us and mm-hmm. just in general to have somewhere that was like not in a regular restroom or something like that. Hundred um, percent. So, what do you think that your parenting style is? I'm very involved in some ways, and then I'm very hands off in others. I I think that you learn by doing, and you learn by making your own choices. Um, but I'm also do my best to keep them on the right path and the right activities. I try, I I think there's huge value in having good friendships and they don't naturally happen today the way they did when I was a kid in the same way, unless you just get lucky and you happen to live in a neighborhood where there's a lot of kids about your age. And so I do take more of a hands-on role in trying to make sure that they have some good friendships. Um, But then, you know, beyond that, it's like, I'm not checking your folder every night. Like you need to tell me what is going on that you need help with. And so it's a combination of hands-on and like also not a micromanager of all things. It's good balance, it seems. <laughs> I, it, it's a good balance of paper, right? Like obviously I'm sure it goes off the wire sometimes in practice, but like it's my overall philosophy. Don't die, don't be isolated. But there. then like the little stuff you need to keep me in the loop on. And it is hard. I am a high school health and phys ed teacher, and I see um, the conversations are so different than they were, like just in general, having conversations with other people. I used to come into class and you'd have to say, okay, everyone, quiet down. We got, we're going to get started. And now you walk in, you're like, okay, everybody off your phone, take your earbuds yeah. out. Like, can you talk to somebody next to you? Do you, yeah. you know, make a friend? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. The fr- friends were make or break. And that is true on vacation. I'm big on vacation friends, but it's obviously even more true in your in your real life. And um, so that is one area I do try to take a more active role. I wish I didn't have to. I wish I lived in a neighborhood where there was abundant kids, but but that's not true. So um, and I think okay. friends are just yeah. so important. Um, and to round this out, what is one piece of advice that you would give to other parents? Be okay with change. Like your life when you have kids is going to change. It's not going to end, but it's going to change. And then it keeps changing. Just as soon as you get a handle on this baby, they start moving and you get a handle on that and they start preschool and you get a handle on that. And then they have like activities and homework and personalities and and just embracing that like every year or two, you kind of are living a new chapter of life with your kid for a long time. And, and that's awesome. And it literally on the whole does just get better so far. I've only made it to chapter 13 with my (laughs) oldest, but, um, but it does just get better, but it is always changing. And so the more you can be okay with that, I think the better experience you're going to have. That's wonderful advice. I love that. Um, all right. So you are mommy points. Um, the points mom, tell me, how did this come to fruition? (laughs) Well, I, I followed the points guy for a while and I'm not informed about points. I have, I'm still very confused about them. And I just try every time to like look and be like, okay, what do I have to do? But how did you get involved in that? I think it's so amazing. So that's exactly how I got involved because <laughs> as points of miles, you can go as deep as you want. And like the deepest levels are only right for a small number of people, but like the easier wins and the waiting pool of points of miles, if you will, it's for everybody. And that is how I got started. So I had a normal job. Um, I was a social worker. I got my master's at NYU. I racked up miles flying back and forth Texas to New York when I lived there. 
And then I graduated and I was broke and had student loan debt from NYU and a social work salary, which is not a high salary for anyone who's not familiar. <laughs> um, so I was broke. I could barely afford anything, but I could afford to go to Hawaii using my miles that I had racked up while living in New York. And that was the beginning of a beautiful relationship with Points and Miles. Uh, I no longer was living in New York after that. So I had to find another way to keep earning miles because I was hooked and credit cards was the easy solution. Um, and so that's what I did. And back then you could get a lot of points just by buying a stick of gum on your credit card. So it was pretty easy game. And I just played it personally for my own travels for years and had a social work career. Uh, and then years went by, I had my first daughter, I was married by this point, and my husband, I think honestly, was just tired of hearing me talk about the next Points of Miles deal. He's like, enough, you should you should blog back, this was like over a decade ago. So he's like, you should blog. Like I have a one-year-old and a job, when am I supposed to blog? Right. Um, but he kept at it and he set up a site and one day I did it just to say like, I've done it, like I can't do this, I don't wanna do this. But I did like it. It was fun. And so I, I wrote another one and I wrote another one. And somehow, and I don't even honestly know how people started finding it, uh, because this does not start off as a business plan or a career. This was like a personal blog. Um, but yeah, people start finding it. And within six weeks, uh, Randy Peterson, who runs Boarding Area, who's like the godfather of Points and Miles, he had found it somehow and was like, hey, do you wanna join boarding area? We will kind of do the technical hosting and kind of that side of things and we'll send you a check each month. And I'm like, what? Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, and not too many weeks after that, Travel Channel found it, probably because it was on boarding area at that point. And they asked me to do some videos with them on how to save money traveling as a family, which was another mind blowing moment, like what? And so, yeah, so so for about a year, I continued blogging on lunch breaks, nights and weekends, and I had my normal job and my toddler. And uh, a year in, it was like, I can make this switch. And so I did, and I have been at this ever since as a career. It's like a dream come true of, uh, you know, just working hard and just, Getting lucky too. Yeah. I mean, frankly, it like at the time it was a bunch of single guys, largely who worked in consulting jobs or jobs that just naturally had a lot of travel. And so when they needed to redeem their points, they needed that one first class ticket on Lufthansa and they could leave in three days and they were racking up points and miles on someone else's dime. And none of those things were true for me. And so the stories I shared were very different. Um, and the site was called Mommy Points just because my husband came up with it and that's the site he set up for me. I would not have picked that name probably um, if I was planning this in advance. It worked out because it was so different from everybody else. But what was interesting about my site was that the readers just as frequently didn't have kids as did. Like it was not a family travel site, although my family often traveled with me. So there was that. But it really was how to do points and miles in a normal life with normal travel goals. And that was just really different from what people were doing at the time. So I did it for seven years there. And then the points guy um, and their team approached me to buy it in like 2017. Um, and they were being acquired by Red Ventures at the time. 
which is the parent company of TPG. So it took a while, uh, but eventually it all went through and my site was sort of merged into theirs. And I've had a different job there every year. But for the first year or so, I was building up their family travel vertical and it was really cool. So that's sort of how I got to where I'm at. It was it was a lot of work, but it was also just right place, right time. Yeah, that's amazing. And as a newer mom, that's something that really just attracted me to the thought of, okay, you can do this, but you can do it with points. You can do it without points. Um, yeah. It's just something really cool to be able to help so many other people with. Um, what do you think the most memorable trip you've taken either with or without points with your family is? Well, my favorite spot on earth is Hanalei Bay on the North shore of Kauai. And I think that will probably be the favorite travel memory I have as well. We've been there a couple times with the kids. So all the trips kind of merge into one in my head, but my memory is being there at sunset, it's golden. The waves are coming in. The kids are playing with each other. They're building sandcastles. They're in the waves. There's green mountains behind us. And it's just perfect. And that is sort of the the destination and the travel memory that is my favorite. And we've been lucky enough to have it a few times. And hopefully we'll be able to have it some more. So uh, if you haven't been to Kauai, the North Shore, you should definitely go, go at sunset, go to Hanalei Bay, and hopefully you'll have sort of a magical um, evening as well. Sunsets are so magical. Um, to kind of shift right back to the points, what um, do you have any tips on how to earn and redeem points effectively? What do you think your biggest tip for that is? Just start. Um, you can always learn more, get better, get another card, get another type of point and mile. But the biggest thing that you can do is just start if you haven't already. Um, some people are still earning no rewards with their everyday spending. And that is leaving money on the table. Even if all you do is get a 2% cash back card, that is 2% more that you could do with the money that you're spending every day than you're doing right now. So um, do something. But if you want to, if you know that you wanna use your rewards for travel, then get a card that's gonna be a good travel card. The easiest one to suggest is the Chase Sapphire Preferred. It's been my number one recommended card for 14 years. Um, and it probably will continue to be for some time. And what makes it great is it does have some bonus categories. So you are earning at a faster rate on some different categories like dining and travel. But it, what the points can do is really the magic part could, because you can just use them at a flat 1.25 cents each to book your travel in their site like you would on Expedia. And if that's all you do, that is still a big win. Um, but when you're ready, you can go deeper and you can transfer their points to partners such as Hyatt and United and Southwest amongst others. And what I like about their lineup of partners more than some others is that they're easy. I mean, you can get more rewarding stuff with some international programs, but that's not where anybody starts. Right. So start with the US programs you probably are already familiar with and those points can go to those programs. So I just start, and if you don't know where to start, Chase Sapphire Preferred is great. If you don't know that you wanna even travel, get a cashback credit card and that works too. Um, what do you think that the biggest mistakes people make when it comes to points? Just not starting <laughs> to give the same answer, but there's no bad use to your points. I mean, there are calculations you can do for better returns when you use points versus cash. You can get fancy with it, but 
it doesn't matter what you use your points on. If it's something you want and that you don't have to spend your cash on, then you're winning. And yeah. and so like if you start and you start earning rewards and you use them, then you're going to want more and you're going to get more sophisticated probably with how you use them. But even if you don't, it doesn't matter. Just start and keep some of that cash in your wallet and start traveling in a way that is hard to believe it's real and sustainable until you've done it for a while. But I've been doing it now for probably 20 years um, and it is real and it is sustainable and it unlocks a whole world. Um, I have to share a funny story. My husband had points. I forget what credit card it was. You know, you can get certain things with your points. And yeah. He's like, oh my gosh, they have these um, shatterproof wine glasses. We should totally get them. And I'm going to use my points for it because I have enough. So I'm like, cool. I've never heard of this. We get them. They are literally plastic wine. Oh, no. <laughs> Wait, they're not glass. Plastic wine, whatever, cups. And Yeah. We like we pull them out of the box and he's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I just spent, you know, whatever yeah. points we thought they were, they were these like high tech um, yeah. kind of glass. And that was our biggest mistake. when. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a great it's a, a lot of people do use their points for merchandise. Right. Yeah, and your point. return, if you start doing like or your return per point or whatever. It's usually not the best use, but if you had loved those non-breakable wine glasses, then it would have been great. It's just, they were crappy. <laughs> we were so excited. We were like, oh. oh. Um, so, okay. Uh, so how has your, you kind of talked a little bit, a, a bit, a little bit about your experience working with the Point Sky, but what are these different jobs that you do yeah. in it? You said you've had a new one every year. How can you? Yes. So it's never boring. Working for myself was never boring. And working at a big fast paced company is also never boring. And so, yeah, so I first came on, I ramped up family travel coverage, focused on that for about a year, 18 months, um, and then went a little broader and started running their travel team. So not just family travel, but like hotels, destinations, things like that. Um, did that for another year or so. Um, and then the year after that, I was over their credit card and points and miles vertical, which at TPG is obviously a big focus. Um, and that was a lot of fun and a lot of great learnings. And then I did a year where I helped ramp up uh, sort of some cross-team, cross-platform storytelling. So TPG's obviously always had a social team, a newsletter, et cetera. But um, until like the last year or so, they operated more in silos. And so spent a lot of last year bringing all those teams together and figuring out how we can tell these points and miles and travel stories um, in a way that crosses platforms. Because obviously people aren't reading blogs the way they did when I started one 15 years ago or whenever that was. Um, that demographic now watches their content largely. But our site was structured around a world where people read the written word. So, trying to bridge all of those gaps um, has been one of my jobs. And now this year I am running what we're calling our trending team, which is stories that are either already trending out there or things that we hope to create uh, and make trending. And that is both written stories, but also increasingly short form videos, newsletter stuff, et cetera. And um, if I've learned nothing else at TPG is that the people that work in this space are just fantastic people. Uh, and my favorite part of my job is the people I work with and the people that we create content for. So, yeah. yeah. That's the most important thing of, I feel, any job is to just really love where you're working and who you're working for. Um, mm -hmm. And that's just, 
that's wonderful to hear because, you know, you never know. You don't know if behind the scenes it's something that you're just, you are just putting up as a facade for social media or blogs. Yeah. Hear that they're, no. You know, yeah, it, it is. It is some of my favorite times is when I get to go. I'm remote and I've always been remote. I'll always be remote unless they're building an office in East Texas. Um, so, but some of my favorite days are when I get to go into the office and we come up with ideas together. And um, it, it's just, it's a really, really great group of people. And it's, I'm lucky to be with such creative, smart travelers who just want to get more people out there doing the same thing. Awesome. Um, so, to kind of round this part up, can you tell me about a time that you redeemed points for an amazing experience? What is, do you think your best experience of utilizing your points was for? If you oh, there's so, there's so many. <laughs> there's so many. Um, so for my husband's 40th birthday, which has been a while now, <laughs> we booked essentially around the world tickets in business class. And uh, so we flew from Houston, we spent a couple of days in Amsterdam. We used points to stay at the Andaz in Amsterdam and the Hyatt family. Um, and then we continued on. We flew business class to Istanbul and then on to the Maldives and we redeemed points to stay at the Park Hyatt Maldives. And, and then we came home going through Singapore and Taipei, all still in business class. And we re-entered the US from Los Angeles. And so we literally lapped the world. and. That would never be something I would even dream of if it wasn't for points and miles. But other than like incidentals and taxes, the trip was 100% booked on wow. points and miles and not millions. Like this was a reasonable number, especially nine years ago when this happened. Um, and it's I, it's not a dream I ever grew up having, but it was a reality that we were able to do. And I mentioned at the beginning that I just booked Japan with my kids. So we're going to go next year and we're flying home in business class, uh, all booked with points and miles. And we were able to get seats for the three of us. And it makes like we would go to Japan and economy, but man, that would be rough going back to school the next day, which is our what we have to do because we're just going for spring break. So it it gives you dreams that you just didn't even know you could dream. And so those are just two of them. But we've we've been lucky enough to live decades of this at this point. Yeah, I've never flown business class. It is a dream of mine. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I'll start uh, utilizing points a little better and we can. It's so it. doable. So just yesterday there was this promotion. Uh, well, it was a few promotions you stack on top of each other. But the, but the end of the day, you could book business class to and from Europe for 20,000 points each way. Like business class. I mean, a yeah. ticket to Florida can cost me 20,000 points. Wow. So um it is real and it's not something you need millions of points to do, especially if you're talking about doing it once or twice. It's, It can be really, really affordable, even on your points, if you have some patience and you're like, I'm just going to start earning and we'll figure out exactly what I want to do with them later. Yeah. All right. That's my new goal. <laughs> so you travel with your family, which is amazing. As I said, it's just so inspiring to see. I love watching families travel. I think it's so cool. How do you balance work and family while traveling? You are remote. So do you do your work while you are traveling or is it like no work time or mix? Yeah. So this answer has evolved over time. I mean, when I worked for myself, which I did for seven years, there was no PTO. <laughs> um, I was blogging from the hospital bed the day after I had my daughter because oh like, that is how we paid our bills. Right. Um, so 
So back in the day when I worked for myself, I would not every single day while we were traveling, but a lot of days I would sort of carve out time. This was also when the kids napped. So when they napped, I would work. I would also often work first thing in the morning for a couple of hours. Um, But now it's different. Uh, (laughs) PTO is a great thing. (laughs) So we do now travel when I'm just off. Um, But also a lot of times we're creating content on our trips. But that's easier to just because you're really just taking photos or videos in the moment, which I would do anyways. Mm. (laughs) So it doesn't really feel like work, but we do turn it into content later on sometimes. Uh, But yeah, when I was working for myself, it was a lot harder um, and we would carve out time, usually in the mornings and then during nap time. Um, What are some of the most family friendly destinations that you visited? Oh, I've already said Kauai, but I'll say it again. I will say this time, though, the south side of Kauai, it rains less down there. There's bigger resorts um, if you're going to start earning points. The Grand Hyatt Kauai is a fantastic use of points. Uh, it usually goes for $1,000 a night, but it can start at 25,000 Hyatt points. Um, and it's just amazing. So I would say that. Obviously, Florida, all of Disney. But anywhere where kids live, kids can travel. So whatever your goal is can be a real thing. My youngest started learning to crawl when we were in Edinburgh and we were just in this like ridiculously green park with like this gothic arch in the background. And I have a photo of her starting to learn how to crawl and we were in Scotland. So it's um, wherever you want to go, you're going to find a way to make it kid friendly enough. If kids live there, they can travel there. Um, But if you're looking for an easy way to start, then a resort with great pools is like my my shallow end of the pool recommendation <laughs> uh, to make things easy the first go around. Yeah, it, I think people think inside of a box mm-hmm. where you can and can't travel with a kid. Yeah. And saying, if kids live here, you can travel here. And it's so true because if there's children growing up in the area, they has to be something for them to do, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we just went to New Zealand. It was a, God, I don't know, 16, 17 hour flight. But my kids are older now, so it was easy. Like personally, I mean, I already mentioned having infants wasn't fun for me. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't the mom who was hauling my one or two year old generally halfway around the world, except for when we was at Edinburgh. And I brought grandma. Grandmas are secret weapons. Always but important. <laughs> yeah, bring grandma. But <laughs> um. But you don't have to haul your children around the world in order to start getting out there. So like, if that's what you want to do, that's what you should do. And it's totally doable. Um, But like, don't discount going to that beach resort either. Like, you're not restricted to that box. But there's a reason those things are really popular, especially with younger families. Um, Right now, cruises are our sweet spot. We do some crazier international travel, but for a vacation, Right now for us, nothing can beat a cruise and Disney cruise has become our thing because each kid loves going to their little kid club for their age. They have a a kid club, a teen club, a tween club. There's even a nursery. And so they keep things pretty relegated by age and my kids make friends there. They have fun, which means I can just relax and have like nothing that I have to do. Um, and, And like I mentioned at the beginning, change. I know that's time limited. Probably in 10 years, Disney Cruise will not be the thing I want to do once or twice a year, every year on vacation. But like right now it is. And so we're embracing it. We're booking as many as we can. Um, And and that's where we're at. And so I think just whatever it is that sounds doable and fun to you is is where you should be going. And then that'll change. Yeah. 
And um, so, well, my next question was going to be about um, keeping them entertained on long flights, but I was going to ask you about New Zealand in a little bit. My, so my cousin lives in New Zealand in um, Hawke's Bay, and which is about an hour flight from Auckland. And so I am right outside of the Philadelphia area. So I visited him about 10 years ago, which again, New Zealand is just uh, amazing. It's I, so amazing. It's so beautiful. Um, we flew to California, which was like a five hour flight. And then our flight to Auckland was another, I think like 18 hours and then another hour to Hawke's Bay. Um, and as an adult, I found that to be a little uh, stir crazy. So how did you keep your kids entertained on that flight? I mean, I know we slept, I remember we slept a lot on it. Um, yeah, I was gonna say you might hate my answer. So um, sleep. <laughs> Um, they watched a lot of shows too. I mean, there was in, in seat entertainment, so they did that. Uh, we, I think I watched all of Lord of the Rings or something, but, um, this is one of the reasons why I am serious about points and miles is because it makes long haul travel so much easier. So on the way there, we used miles to fly in United business class and we slept and on the way back, we actually did something slightly more interesting. We flew back on air New Zealand and we booked what they call a sky couch. Um, and so the kids shared one and I had one. My husband flew back on a different flight in business class because he's fancy. Uh, <laughs> he's but fancy. but we, we did the sky couch. And what it is essentially is it's three economy seats, but they have these special footrests that flop up and it makes a lie flat bed, quote unquote, okay, or yeah, couch. I think we just saw that recently. Yeah. yeah. And it's priced cheaper even than premium economy. So yeah, obviously it's an upcharge over normal economy, but it's by no means the price of business class and it's not even the price of premium economy. But what it makes is a lie flat bed and they bring you like real blankets, real pillows. Wow. And so we slept a full night coming back and that That's leaves cool. you with some time to kill, but like a reasonable number of hours. So that's how I kept my kids entertained at this age. It was a lot of sleep. When they were younger, we would pack goodie bags and about every hour we would have another little like dollar store level activity or toy or gadget or whatever to pull out like a Mary Poppins bag of tricks, snacks, um, My Little Pony back then on repeat. So when they were littler, you're really thinking in 30 minute increments and, and you just stick with one thing as long as it's working. Um, and you have a lot more stuff in your Mary Poppins bag. And that's a lot harder. Um, it's doable, but it is a lot harder than now. At this age, they're they're seven and 13. And I just try to get them to be in a seat where they can fall asleep. And they usually do. That's, yes. Um, I, I love that idea of the Mary Poppins bag. I've mm -hmm. seen different things where it's like you have, um, if you go on a road trip, but obviously it would be the same if you're going on a flight where it's like every hour you get yeah. something different and it, you kind of make it fun, but it doesn't have to be that involved. You just literally can just have a bag of different things. A hundred percent. And one of the, my favorite things, if you have a flight this summer coming up is those like doodle sketchboards they have on Amazon. They're like $10. Yeah. They're like LED sketchboards. Um, yeah. And we don't use them at home, but like on trips, especially when they were a little bit younger, it was like this magical toy so uh so yeah things like that and just stick with one as long as it works don't move to the next one until you have to and then and then move on and um, you'll eventually land and get there and what advice would you give to parents who are hesitant to travel with young kids or kids in general no matter what age start small like you don't have to start with a halfway around the world big city european adventure start small and maybe for you, that is driving to a resort that's two hours away. 
Maybe it's the nearest beach. Maybe it's an amusement park, theme park. Those, that's all travel. Anything that is getting out of your own backyard is real travel. Don't let anybody tell you differently. Our trips to Disney are real travel. Um, and they're really fun too. They're different than like Europe, but, um, but start small and get that win under your belt. When my kids were younger, we did a lot of road trips to this Hyatt resort in Texas called Hyatt Lost Pines. It's outside of Austin. And we would go there at least twice a year when they were young and we would stay for a couple of days and do all the on-site resort activities. That doesn't sound fun to me anymore because we're not in that phase anymore, but there was a good five, six, seven years where that was our our type of fun and it was manageable and doable. And then we evolved from there, but find that high at Lost Pines for you <laughs> and um, and start with that. We always say we're, because we live close to the the South Jersey shore, we're anywhere mm-hmm. between an hour and an hour and a half. And we go down there a lot and stay. And um, sometimes it's more work than being at home, but we're like, we yeah. don't have to wake up in our house. We don't have to look at our stuff. We, we yeah. have a new environment and, it's just, I think you're right. Stuff like that is just so important. And you're right. It's not always a vacation. And so that is part of the evolution when you become a parent. Not every trip is a vacation. In fact, very few are for a while. They are trips. They're not vacations. But what they are, importantly, is a change of scenery. And sometimes your brain just needs that. Even if it's not easier than being at home, it's different. And that is just good for your mental health, for your brain, for your kids. Um, to be able to be flexible and that will help them as they get older and you are taking bigger trips that are closer to what you might call vacation. Yeah. And they kind of just don't really know any differently. Like my daughter will just randomly wake up like, oh, we, we go to the beach today. I'm like, oh yeah, let's just go. You know, Yeah, let's I go. Mean, sure. Okay. <laughs> let's do it. Let's get in the car. No, but uh, you know, it is, she kind of knows the deal now and she's only two and a half and she knows when we get in the car for a long period of time that just the end result will be something that she enjoys which is cool to see it's so good for them too so I, I mentioned disney cruise we're about to go on another one and one of the things that i've started doing is to be sure that my kids are in um there's so for each disney cruise there's a facebook group unofficial but somebody on every cruise ends up setting one up and so we join those and the reason why is because what often happens is that the parents try to get the kids to meet each other before you ever get on the ship because it's so important to have vacation friends on a cruise once you're a certain age um, as that's what makes the kid clubs fun or not as fun. And we did have one post-pandemic, like one of our first post, or not whatever, post-pandemic in quotes, cruise um, where that didn't happen. And I think that part of it was just kids weren't used to kidding Right. So, yeah, and and the cruise yeah. as a result, yeah, exactly. So, and the cruise wasn't nearly as fun for anyone when the kids didn't have friends. And so I've been really aggressively involved ever since then. And my youngest is seven. And just last weekend, she had a Zoom with other kids about her age that will be on the cruise so that they know some people and they exchange like cabin numbers before they ever get on the ship. And like, sure, you could do that if you'd never traveled before, but you can do it even better if you've spent your whole life sort of in this world where you have a great home life, but you also are used to making friends on the fly and yeah. and engaging with people you've never met before. And so it was really cool. I literally just set her up on the Zoom and I was busy. So I wasn't watching after that. 
Um, and But she managed it on her own and has some people's cabin numbers and names and all that she can't wait to meet when we get on board. Oh and she's seven. I so love that. that yeah. Is, I, I, anytime I go somewhere, I feel like I join a group like specific to that area, mm-hmm. like, you know, traveling to. I think I'm, I'm definitely in a bunch of Disney groups and yeah but i didn't realize for the kids i mean that's so smart to and and it gives them such great um traits for them as a person to be able to converse and meet people out of their comfort zone that's wonderful it's super cool um so i want to just ask a couple more questions about your blog i know you answered a lot of them um i kind of just like randomly started one as I started with this pod. This is all kind of new to me with the podcast. I've done social media forever and um, I just love it so much. I love writing and I love this, just meeting new people. Um, And just like you, I'm just doing it in my spare time because I like doing it on topics that I enjoy. Um, But what do you think your tips for writing blogs would be? Yeah, I think that's it. Like having a topic that you enjoy that you have your own perspective and tips on is is all people really want. And while how people consume content obviously has evolved and will always continue to evolve, at the core of it, what they want is generally the same thing. It is, it is a good story and or um, tips that might be applicable to their own life. And you and with a blog, you have the freedom to sort of like jump between all of those things. And and that's what I do on social media too. Like. And it's never going to be some huge influencer count, which is fine, but it is always going to be somewhere that I mix in sort of my story with tips. Um, and that is what I would recommend for people who have a blog. Pick it in an area that you have something to say, and then don't be afraid to mix some of yourself and your life in there um, because people do want to connect. They do want a story. They do want a human. And if they didn't want that, they're going to just go to a big aggregator of yeah. information anyway. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. And, uh, the the joy of doing it, and you can definitely relate to that, is, is so nice. And then sometimes once it, you feel like it has to be structured, especially with Instagram, it gets to be like, mm-hmm. you have to have a certain algorithm for people to watch and people, you know, catch them and grasp them. And I'm like, I just want to show what like I enjoy. Um, and I think that's yeah. so important for people to, you know, kind of have. Yeah. And like, of course, layering in things like the algorithm and the SEO and yeah. like that's all important at a certain point. But it only matters if you had something to say in the first place and then you can build on that. But just being kind of like my advice with points and miles would be for people to just don't be afraid to start. Just yeah. start and and tell what you care about and what you think is helpful and what you would tell your friends. That's how mine started. I. I didn't even know people could find it who I didn't give the link to. Like, mm-hmm. um, and so I assumed that if I was writing for anyone, I was writing for like my cousin, my aunt, my friend, my neighbor, and I still am. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have a specific blog post that you can think of that's most meaningful for you? That you Yes, it doesn't exist anymore though. Oh, no. So, <laughs> so there's like the downs, there's the downside of working for a big company. I mean, they do, they do have to lean into SEO and the Google and they do purge old content at times in order to keep the new content easier for Google to index and find and optimize and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think that this post still exists, but um, it was on, I think, I think it was titled like the $23,000 flight that earned no miles and it was told on one of my oldest daughter's birthdays about the time that she was life flighted to the NICU and 
And it sort of explained why we go so big on birthdays. Right. Um, because they're not guaranteed. And like, let's celebrate this year that we've all made it through together, especially my God, when they were young, it really yeah. felt like we had made it through something. So it was obviously a super personal story of what the introduction to parenthood was like and why we do go so big on birthdays. And um, it was one that was not going to make any money or win on the, no one's searching for that. It's not going to win some SEO award. But it was a story that like felt really important and to tell. And then we certainly got a lot of like really great feedback from folks who read it. And that was probably the one that stuck with me the most. I'll have to find it in an archive somewhere one day. But um, but yeah, and I think generally speaking, if I gave you a list of top 10, most of them would be stories that were stories uh, more so than like tips or a, a list. <laughs> And it's it, I love the uh, not that I like love the um, headline of it, but it, it is yeah. so it's so true and it, it is so real of someone, you know, who you see now with your kids and happiness probably. And then it's like, but you you really don't know the stress that came prior to. Um, yeah. What you see is an excessive birthday. What yeah. you don't see unless you know, is we how did that happen? And um, and like like most things in life, there is a reason and and it it really shaped a lot of what we became as parents from that point forward. Um, so, do you guys travel anywhere specifically for kids' birthdays? Or- yes. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me a little about that. Uh, yeah. So, almost everybody in my family is born in December, January, and they're mucked in with Christmas and all this. Well. And so we just do the best we can with those birthdays, which is most everybody's, except for my youngest daughter. Her birthday is in July and is one of the only summer birthdays in our family. And so for her, we started going to Disney when she was little. At first, we went for her second birthday and I think her third as well, because you're free until you're three. Yeah. So it's like, let's just do it right now. It's cheaper. And um, we didn't stop after then. <laughs> Uh, but because it's summer break, it's often we will just time it that way. And and we do go big on birthdays still to this day. And so when we have birthdays at home, they end up costing a pretty fair amount of money. Yes. Let's put that money into a trip some years. I mean, some years we do the whole big class party, whatever. But, but other years we put it into a trip. And so this year we are doing the same thing. And we're going to be meeting friends at Disney World. And we're going to be doing a slumber party because um, my friend who's meeting us also has kids who love Disney same age and they're friends with my kids. So we're running a, a suite with Disney Vacation Club points and we're going to do a slumber party and have a pool, late night swim. And yeah, it costs more than like renting the trampoline park, but like not that much more. Yeah, um, <laughs> my son turns one next month and we are calculating the numbers for everything. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we could have went uh-huh. away for this, you know, for number First, okay, it's fine. But after that, like, we yeah. always talk about, we're like, let's just go somewhere instead. Yeah, and we mix it up. We, I mean, we do want her to have some memories of, like, the friend parties back at home. Right. Um, so last year, we didn't go to Disney for her birthday. But, uh, but we do more often than not. And, yeah, if you're going to spend whatever it is that birthdays cost in your area, make sure you're spending it in a way that you like. And for us, yeah. we really like Disney that we uh my my husband is like a disney lover and and i like it too because of him but he is like way um more into disney than i am and he just wants every we already have our you know next thoughts of when we're going the next time and everything and i yes i love it yeah um 
So to get kind of back more into the traveling, what do you think some of the most underrated travel destinations are? Well, so one I, I, I found, one that I'd found um, in the pandemic that was obviously already very popular in a lot of circles, but not known beyond those circles, was 30A in Florida. Um, and we it's back in the era where you were trying to find places that were open that you could get to by car. And it's in the Florida panhandle, essentially, sort of between Destin and Panama City. And it is just this magical place where there are no chains, basically. Um, in some of the communities you get around by golf cart, some of them you don't. One of the communities looks like you're in the Mediterranean in Greece. And I think that people who live in like Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, uh, especially those that were like upper middle class or higher, they knew 30A, but it wasn't so known beyond then. And once I started telling people about it and we went, um, everybody who I know who's gone and tried it has loved it. So we are overdue to get back, but, um, 30A, I think. I just heard about 30A like <laughs> the last six months and I actually, you know, I have it as something to talk to you like just quickly about because I, it's now it's been on my radar just because people are like talking about going. Yeah. There. Like, where is this place? I've been to all these other places in Florida, but um, I definitely have that as a place for us to go. Um, it's great. It's, so awesome. it's a place you're going to need to rent a condo or a house, yeah. um, but there's great food. The beach is gorgeous, um, and, and it's called 30A because that's the road that goes through there. It's like County Road 30A, um, but there are communities about every mile. It's a whole different community with a whole different vibe. And what's funny about 30A is people that have been going for years, they'll have this one community that they're like, I only stay in Alice Beach. I only stay in Rosemary. I only stay in Seaside. Um, but we've stayed in a different one every time. We think they're all great. Some are more expensive than others, uh, but it's a really cool spot for a really interesting beach vacation where you can travel one mile and be in a town with a whole other vibe. I love that. Definitely adding it to uh, my list. And to go from warm to cold, um, you I saw that you teach your kids, do they ski? Mm-hmm. Um, that is something that I regret never learning how to do, even though I went to college in the Pocono area, which, you know, is all skiing, but I want my kids to learn how to do it. That's yeah. We were never allowed to when we were younger because my parents always thought we would get hurt for our um, athletics. And um, how did you guys get into that? So growing up, my parents would drive through the night from East Texas to Colorado. Um, my mom was a school teacher. So we, when she would get off school on a Friday afternoon, they would start driving and we would get to Colorado sometime the next day and we would go straight to the mountains. I mean, as kids, we would sleep in the car, but as adults, they were driving through the night. Um, and I guess we would probably do this mostly on long weekends, but that we would ski all day Saturday, ski all day Sunday. Um, and then they would just start driving through the night home the day we had to get back. And that's what it took for them to make those trips happen. So I grew up skiing like twice a year, often with cousins on a cousin trip. And it was only possible because my parents were willing to stay up all night and drive from Texas to Colorado. I am not that hardcore. So thank God for points and miles where you can just get on a flight and you'll be in Colorado two hours later. Um, but it, it remained a priority for me. And especially when we are lucky enough to be able to take those trips with cousins, it is something that was so enjoyable and meaningful in my childhood that, um, any year that I can make it happen with my kids, even though it looks different, we're not caravanning generally. Um, the outcome is the same of having them grow up with that love of mountains and multi-generation family trips. So if you're looking for a place to start, my 
Favorite spot for families new to the sport is Keystone in Colorado. They have this like tagline, or they did at one point, that they're not family friendly, they're family focused. And it's really true. It's not just like, we're going to make it easy for families. It's like families are our business and it is designed around that. So uh, there's also a Hyatt place right there to use points at. It's, um, it's really affordable comparatively to some of the big name resorts and a great place to start. Love it. Um, so when you guys do travel, how do you figure out how you're going to, where you're going to travel next? Is it just kind of you throw something at a dartboard? <laughs> that would be good. We should do that sometime. Um, so we have our list of favorites that we return to, not every year, except Disney, but that we return to as frequently as we can. Like I mentioned Kauai. We're overdue to get back to Kauai, um, and that's great, but it does make it hard to balance new places and old favorites, which, you know, first world problem. But mm-hmm. Um, but that's what we do essentially. We balance a mix of places we know that we love and we want to get back to. And then we try to intentionally mix in new places as well. So like that was our first time to New Zealand when we went there a few months ago. This will be my first time to bring the kids to Japan. Um, so it is sort of an intentional mix. And because I'm in this business as well, sometimes that helps me try new places because nobody wants to read the fifth story about the same place. Like you do need to update them periodically, but uh, when something new is built or there's an emerging place or you wanna find like a hidden gem or whatever, that that works better with content creation. So that is layered in um, as well. And you know, I watch probably a lot of the same social media accounts and message boards as everybody else and get inspiration from there too. Yeah. Um, how about, what? do you have any tips on traveling with someone with a limited budget? Don't discount flying. My parents won't mind me saying, they won't listen anyway, they don't listen to podcasts, <laughs> but they wouldn't mind if they heard. I mean, they definitely are on a fixed budget um, and they still travel more than they ever knew possible. They do it largely by leaning into low cost carriers. So they will book those 19 or $29 flights on Spirit or Frontier. Um, and they have one next week to Vegas where they're gonna stay at somewhere like Bally's that's like $30 a night with the resort fee that's even higher than that. But, um, you know, their lodging will be under $100 a night there probably. Their flights were probably $20 or $30 each way there. They're gonna pack in a backpack and they're gonna have a great time. So, you know, traveling by ground transportation is probably where most people's mind goes first for budget travel. And that is a great place to start, especially if you live somewhere where trains and buses are a real thing. But flying, especially if you're okay with taking one of the low cost carriers or jumping on a sale and doing basic economy on the legacy carriers, you really can fly for 20 or $30 each way if you've got some flexibility and you don't have an ego about what kind of plane you're getting on. And, and I don't, we fly Spirit and Frontier sometimes too, just if it's a trip that otherwise doesn't fit in our budget, but we wanna go and that can make it happen, then like, that's what we do. Yeah, we we're only ten minutes from the Trenton Airport, which um, flies all Frontier, and I've never yeah. utilized because we're also close to Philly and Newark, um, and even JFK isn't too far from us. But I keep saying I'm like we need to test out Frontier, and it's not for anything other than we just forget to look yeah. at it um, in that sense. And especially now, um, you know, a couple months ago, they had that whole push to seat families together without extra fees. And every airline's doing this a little bit differently, but but most of them now are having some sort of process and that does keep families seated together without having to pay extra fees. 
So you really can now potentially actually book those cheaper seats and not have to then pay seat fees on top of that. So, you know, don't be afraid of the low cost carriers. Yes, of course, things go wrong sometimes, but things go wrong sometimes with every airline. Yeah, seriously. Um, So when you do travel, what do you do you have any anywhere specific that you look to figure out how to get authentic local experiences? I will, you know, I'll be honest and say not so much directly. Um, our parent company does own this company called Elsewhere, which I do want to try at some point because that is their specialty. And they have local guides um, in different countries around the world that will plan these really authentic local experiences for you. So I want to do that one day. But mostly what I do is I just look, I Google, I watch on social media. Um, we were just talking yesterday about getting back to Kauai and there was this truck there I think it was called like Sushi Girl. And it's just a girl who ran a sushi truck. And it was one of our favorite spots we all remember. And that's the kind of thing we do do a lot of research for um, the best things to do in. And we will give preference to those that you can only have that experience or that meal there. But I don't have like a certain place per se Mm -hmm. that I go and get all that information. It's more like Google searches, message boards, joining groups like you mentioned. Um, Facebook may be... complete garbage for seeing your uncle's political preferences, but it is still a goldmine for joining some private travel groups that are kind of niche in the area that you're looking for. Um, and then and then again, I'm really lucky to work in this industry and there's a really good chance that I work with someone that's been wherever I'm going and has some one-on-one specifics and advice to share. Yes, I'm in a group Girls Love Travel and yeah. I have a subgroup of the moms, but I any that is my go-to for sure. I type in wherever we're going and then see all the forums yep. of people and the, the comments that people say, oh, you have to go here. And yeah. my husband thinks I'm just crazy because I like go through and literally type out every single thing that people recommend. And then I see, okay, a lot of people recommended this place and kind of looking into it to see what fits in our budget and where we're going to stay and our plan and all that um, has been, people are always like, how do you find these places, mm-hmm. like, do you look? Yeah, there's no one source is the honest answer. Um, but but yeah, I do think that if you travel a lot and you're not on Facebook, maybe consider it just for the travel groups, yeah. even if you don't post anything else in your life. They have really helped me personally so much. All right, so can you tell me about what some of the most unique accommodations that you've stayed in? Totally, so my favorite two that were sort of different than the others was, one was we did those glamping tents, um, which was for me the perfect amount of camping. I'm not a campy person. I'm not going to pitch a tent with a sleeping bag if I can avoid it. Uh, so, But we went to Glacier National Park a couple of years ago and booked the under canvas glamping tents. One of them, we had two because my parents were there and one was sort of up in a tree a little bit. And then another one was just kind of on the ground and they had running water, they had toilet showers. Um, and But they were still a tent and they felt like a tent with a real bed, so glamping. Uh, and it was just a perfect blend of camping without me being miserable, but it was super cool for my kids to get kind of that experience. And then the other one was when we were in Finland. So we went um, after the pandemic when we missed seeing Santa for a year or two or whatever that was. <laughs> We took revenge on the pandemic and we went to Finland and we went in search of Santa. And there's a place there where he has a, a hut in the woods. 
Um, and it's like this multi-day experience yes. doing I've Christmassy things. It, and oh my gosh, I'm so, is it there? I've seen, I think on social media. Yeah. I'm so excited to hear about this. Yes. So <laughs> I lo- it's so amazing. Um, especially if you've got kids kind of in the right age frame to have this sort of fun. And so one of the nights that we stayed there is Northern Finland. I've, I want to see the Northern Lights. And so we booked um, a little hut that had kind of the glass ceilings um, and it was just very Scandinavian and cozy anyways. And then you add in like this amazing glass roof situation where you're looking out at the tundra everywhere and up at the stars. There were no Northern Lights. I've still never seen the Northern Lights despite going to Northern Finland and other places, but it was still just a really cool, special spot. That's amazing. We went to Iceland in the summer years ago and they, you know, we didn't think we would see the lights because of the way that the sun is up so late and we went yeah. to the bar and the, the bartender was basically like, if there's darkness, you can possibly see it. So I like downloaded all these apps really quickly. Oh, yeah. We quickly saw it. It wasn't anything like, you know, the big pictures, but we did get to see a glimpse of the northern lights, which I was really excited about. That's awesome. Um, so we've talked about some po- lots of positive travel, but we know it's not always, uh, you know, stress free. Can you tell me about a particular challenging trip you've taken and how you overcame that? Yeah. So the the first one that comes to mind was a ski trip where I took my two kids um, and it was just me and them. A lot of times Josh does not come with us. He's not someone who was born to travel. Mm-hmm. Taking one or two trips a year is enough for him. And when he or when the kids were younger, he would come along more to help. But as they got older and we didn't need him there, it's worked much better for our family to yeah. have him just do the ones he wants. So he wasn't on this trip. Um, and the kids were, were younger and I got really sick. And so I'm on this ski mountain, like unable to walk sick. And I have two young kids and I really wasn't sure how I was going to take care of us or get us home. Um, I luckily friends and travel are just the best friends on earth. So I did have a friend that was, was on the verge of flying there, um, just to help me get home. Uh, and thank God, like over the counter stuff worked at the last minute, but that was like a really shitty feeling. And I think yeah. if you travel enough with your kids, somebody's going to get sick. And if you travel without another adult, sometimes it's going to be you. And then there is no adult. And we were at a St. Regis on points. So we were in a great spot, but like, I didn't have the money to extend the stay and I didn't have the money to like afford room service for every meal. Right. So, um, so yeah, that was a low point. And but like we made it and thank God for over the counter medicines and friends that are are willing to help if they need to. <laughs> I'm glad you survived. Yeah. Um, so obviously you did that with you just said uh, you travel a lot just by yourself with the kids. But what are some of the most important things to consider when you're playing when you're traveling with them? Uh, I think in general with kids is to make sure that everybody has something for themselves. So there's something everyone's looking forward to in the trip. Otherwise, what's the point? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you have the wrong mix of people coming if there's not something everyone's excited about. So helping or having them get involved in the process of planning is important. Making sure that there's something on the schedule for you as the adult is also important. We used a lot of kid clubs when my kids were younger just so that my husband and I can have like a minute to do something we wanted to do. Um, so I think that's part of it. And then I would also say whenever possible, have enough space for everyone at night. And sometimes that's not possible with the budget and you need to just all share a standard hotel room and we still do that too. But 
sometimes it is not really more money necessarily to look into an alternative, like an alternative accommodation. So either you're sharing an Airbnb with another family, which is what we do on ski trips a lot, or looking into condos, or recently we've gotten heavier into renting Disney points when we go down to Disney World so that we can book multi-bedroom things. So um, if it's just me and the kids, we're easy in a normal room. But once you start expanding beyond that, like if you can have space for everyone, that really does help make the trip a little bit more fun. Yes. Um, Oh my gosh, you've given us so much amazing information. Just to kind of uh, close out on all of this, what do you think are your biggest tip for someone starting out traveling with family maximizing points going somewhere with family i know you kind of touched on all of these before but if you could kind of just yeah condense it into something simple for everyone to leave with what do you think yeah so it would be don't let fear stop you from getting out there um yes your baby might cry on the plane yes somebody might get sick on the trip yes you may get there and the hotel or whatever you're doing isn't as nice as it looked on instagram that's okay. That flight is going to land. You're probably never going to see anyone on that plane ever again. Whoever's sick is going to probably get better. Um, and if you have a really crappy travel experience because of the hotel or the destination or whatever, you now have a story and you now have a mistake you're never going to make again. Um, and so just don't be afraid of what could go wrong because uh, that's going to be okay. And no one's ever going to be able to take away from you all the things that go right and all the memories that you make along the way. I agree. Oh my gosh, that's so right. No one can, t- no one can take away all the things that go right, and there, there will just like in everyday life, you know, things are gonna go wrong. But I mm-hmm. feel as though if you can focus on the good, outweighing the bad. Um, every trip that we've taken that we thought we were kind of insane to do has been such a great. Um, there have never not been something that you know was we didn't love mo- more than we didn't, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There will be low moments. That's yeah. real. That's true. You may feel like you should never leave your house again at a certain point on your trip, but that moment will pass. And then all the good stuff is what's going to remain. Yes, I agree. All right. Well, I think that wraps up our episode. Um, I hope everyone found this conversation with Summer as informative and inspiring as I did, uh, whether you're a seasoned points and miles enthusiast or just starting out. I'm sure you've picked up some valuable insights and tips from our guest. Uh, remember to check out Summer's blog and Instagram is at Mommy Points. I'm going to link um, in the show notes all of her blog and um, lots of the information that we talked about today. Uh, make sure you follow along to stay up to date on latest news and trends in the world of travel hacking. Um, and as always, you can follow me at the running wine mom underscore for everything fitness and motherhood with a side of wine. Thanks, Summer, so much for joining me today. This was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Everything was great. Um, Don't forget to subscribe, like, and review the podcast. And I hope everyone has a great week, safe travels, and I will be back next Tuesday.